After the Virus, episode 26. Brought to you by After the Virus, the ebook and paperback available at Amazon.com and locally in Chico, California at the bookstore. The term running the gauntlet refers to an ancient military punishment where a man runs between two rows of soldiers who beat him with sticks and ropes as he passes. As the group aboard the Deliverance chugs the final miles of their linear chute towards the port, they run a continuous gauntlet of both anticipated as well as unexpected obstacles. Here at last, they sail into the borders of a metropolis where they encounter numerous unimagined and unprepared for surprises. At the end of episode 25, the crew aboard the Deliverance was preparing for a battle at the bridge at Rio Vista. March 12. Still alive to write, so that's a good thing. At 5.45 p.m. yesterday, we chugged away from the vegetation we had been moored against and headed for the channel. Once back in the shipping channel, we had to go about a half mile before it curved. The Sacramento River entered on the right, and we had a view of the bridge. Just where the river straightened, we used the engine for the last time to position ourselves in mid-river. Though it only had limited impact, we used makeshift paddles on either side of the stern to try to keep the boat facing straight downstream. At exactly 6 p.m., we could see and hear shooting from downstream of the bridge, then immediately saw shots being exchanged from both towers. We then watched as Chris and Ashley began shooting from the shore on the north side of the bridge. That's when the unexpected happened. The bridge platform began to descend. We could see it in the fading light and hear the creaking and squealing of the giant winches that controlled the platform's height. At that moment, Sheila fired up the engines and we surged towards the bridge, still a quarter mile away. It took a minute, but soon gunfire and mortars were directed our way, the mortars missing the boat by a hundred yards. We were still too far away for the bazookas, but we fired all of our machine guns at once at the buildings atop the towers. We were amazed by how quickly the bridge platform was dropping. At its present rate, it was questionable whether we'd make it in time. At the same time, we were now taking heavy return fire as bullets pinged all around us. We could hear the window glass of the cabin shatter and then heard Sheila shout, Bazookas, now! Will and Thomas were ready and both fired at the top of the right side tower. The near side of the little building collapsed as the mortars connected. Sheila never slowed as she aimed for the ever smaller opening, while Will and Thomas prepared to shoot at the southern tower. Look out! This is gonna hurt! shouted Sheila as we powered under the dropping bridge. A terrible screeching sound accompanied a huge shudder as all the equipment atop the cabin of Deliverance, railing, antennas, racks, and emergency equipment came crashing onto the deck behind it. The momentum the boat had going approaching the opening, along with the powerful tugboat engine, forced the boat through the final few feet as metal shrapnel and glass drained everywhere. As soon as we came out the other side, we were again being shot at from the southern tower. Will and Thomas fired the big M3s and the explosion broke the support beam holding up the building. The entire building sagged 
and we watched one of the shooters fall the 200 feet into the river. A cheer went up from the entire crew. We had made it, but not without casualties. Miguel, who had been in the cabin next to Sheila, was dead of gunshot wounds. Sheila was again cut up, but okay. When we pulled to a dock downstream, we found Ethan holding the lifeless body of young Madison. Snipers Chris and Ashley came trotting up uninjured. We need to put on some river miles. We'll have to take care of the injured and dispose of the dead as we go, barked Sheila. Ethan carrying Madison and Chris and Ashley jumped aboard as we sped away from the bridge. Fortunately for us, the river was deserted and the shores were devoid of houses or buildings for the next seven miles. As we passed a point of land on river left, we pulled into a large bay of water. In the distance, we could see the buildings of a city to the south. Antioch, said Sheila. The San Joaquin River merges just ahead of us. We will be passing through an urbanized area tomorrow. Antioch and Pittsburgh will be on the south shore. So we'll hug the undeveloped North Shore until we hit the bridge between Martinez and Benicia. Then we have nowhere to hide. While the wounds of our injured were cared for, a few of us went ashore to bury Madison and Miguel above the marshy shoreline. It was still night when we reassembled on the boat. I have an idea, announced Sheila, her face plastered with numerous small bandages. It will add half a day, which will put us in Oakland just in time to meet the ship, but it will allow us to avoid passing Antioch and Pittsburgh. There is a long canal called the Montezuma Slough just ahead on River Right. It takes a leisurely path through completely unpeopled farmland. I recommend that we make our way to that while it's still dark and take that route. I think it's even safe to travel by day in there. Once again, the group agreed with Sheila's plan. We made it into the east end of Montezuma Slough before sunrise, and everyone took the opportunity to grab some sleep, except Sheila and Chris, who took turns piloting the boat. March 13. When I awoke, it was like we were on a different part of the planet. As far as you could see in every direction was farmland interspersed with marshland. The boat was chugging along at a mellow pace. We'll be coming out the far end of the slough in an hour or two, whispered Will, so as not to wake the others who were still sleeping. As we approached the mouth of the slough, the engine slowed down to idle, and those still sleeping woke at the change in sound. Sheila and Chris came down onto the deck. This next stretch is perhaps the most dangerous, Chris said, as we're coming to a pinch point between two cities. We'll be passing under the first of two major bridges. The likelihood of sabotage is high there. We'll wait here in the mouth until dark, then it's an hour before we hit the bridge. That's where the fun should start. It's hard to imagine that anyone was anything but terrified, having been repeatedly traumatized since we left the roundhouse. It feels strange to say that I may have preferred to spend my final weeks there rather than endure what we've been through. Fortunately, those stronger than me were leading us forward. I write this as we chug along the North Shore towards the bridge. March 14. The past two days have been filled with lows and highs. As we neared the bridge, we were met with a surreal scene as literally hundreds of boats of all shapes and sizes 
from canoes and motorboats to yachts and tugboats, clogged the channel just east of the bridge ahead of us. We were completely unprepared and at a loss for how to proceed. We stood with weapons ready when a boat pulled up next to us. State your business, shouted Sheila through the broken glass of the cabin. Have you any fresh water, friends? shouted a man who shined a light on himself to show that he was unarmed and gaunt. We all looked to Sheila, ready to take whatever directions she gave us. After a few seconds of hesitation, she said, Of course we do, friend. Throw the man some water. After we had passed some bottled water that had been in the ship's stores, Sheila yelled the question, What the hell is going on up ahead? To which the man replied, Everyone's headed for the ships. You know, the ships that are here to save us from the nukes. The roads are basically shut down. So anyone who has a boat is trying to get there that way. We were stunned that the plan was being shouted so openly. There's a bunker on the hill just beyond the bridge. They're firing a cannon or something at any boat that passes. So all these boats are stacked up, afraid to pass. A few are making it through, but a few are getting blown to hell. All of this had our heads spinning. Well, good luck, friend. We'll hope to see you on the other side, shouted Sheila, and we all waved as we lurched forward. After putting some distance between us and the man, the boat was put into neutral and Sheila and Chris came out on the deck again. Well, that was unexpected, stated Sheila flatly. Here we are, rushing to our salvation, and we hit a traffic jam. Who could have guessed? I'm stumped as what to do next. Any ideas? Everyone began to speak at once, though not many were offering plans. We could queue up and run the gauntlet like the rest, someone offered. We could try to take out the bunker, said Will, to which a number of us sighed. We could better our odds if we weren't all in one boat. This last proposal raised some eyebrows. True, but where are we going to get more boats? asked Chris. Jessica replied, We could offer protection to people in other boats in exchange for riding with them. After all, anybody left at this point is VNC, so what have we got to lose? Each other, answered Sheila. Not everyone else has the ethics that we share. Look, when we left Montezuma Slough, there was a dock with two or three boats. If splitting up is what the group votes for, then let's go back and get those boats. Although nobody loved the idea of splitting up from our comrades, it did make sense for improving the odds of getting through. We took a vote, and eight of us, including Will and I, voted to take separate boats. The rest of us will continue aboard Deliverance, announced Sheila, and will pray that we make it through and can be reunited at the ships. We sped the hour back to the mouth of the slough where we hotwired two fishing boats. The three vessels then traveled back to where boats were crowding in to make a pass at the bridge. As we drew closer, we could hear gunshots and cannon fire in the distance, and sometimes those in the boats near us would cheer. It was like an alien sporting event. Our three boats idled forward, side by side. It was the first time in many months any of us had seen this many living humans together in one place. And as we slowly got closer to the bridge, the boats wedged tighter and tighter together. The sun was coming up and we peered in amazement at everyone around us. 
Suddenly, someone on Deliverance yelled, There's Keisha! Everyone peered forward. Immediately in front of us was a boat that matched the one Keisha had driven, and a tall black woman stood steering it. Keisha! We yelled, and Keisha turned and saw us and threw her arms wide in greeting. I have something for you, she shouted, and with that she grabbed the person next to her and turned them around to face us. As always, thank you for coming along for the wild ride these past five months. Join me next week for the story's conclusion and a sneak listen to the first chapter of my next book, Survivalist's Birthright.